Hi, this is Deborah Ann Wool. Thank you for listening to the Children of Erte podcast, presented by Demiplane. You can join us live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv backslash RPG, or catch up with the VOD of each episode on the Demiplane YouTube channel. Bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way Yes, we are, because that is the name of our show. Welcome. I am Sam DeLove, and this is our Children of Airte after show, where I am joined by architect of this adventure herself, <laughs> Deborah Ann Wool. Thank you Hello. so much for joining me. I'm it so excited to be here. Such a delight to interface with your brain. <laughs> so please introduce yourself to the people so that they can likewise. Yes. Hello. My name is Deborah Anwell. I am the architect. I love this word. My father is an architect. That <laughs> feels very appropriate um, of this strange uh, Children of Erte adventure that we are on. And I'm so excited to be here. I love talking about behind the scenes and what it takes to make this show because I spend every Tuesday basically... <laughs> killing myself to make sure I've got something exciting. So uh, I'm, I can't wait to share a little bit of that process with everyone. Remember, you can always donate diamonds for any Revivify <laughs> ritual if the Dungeon Master so requires it. And funding such resurrections are our sponsors. Yeah. Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms. We're giving away two codes. You can type exclamation point code in chat for free Electrum chest in game. We got diehard dice, purveyors of your clicky clacky math rocks. So use code Airte at checkout for 10% discount. And we'll be doing a giveaway in chat during stream, as well as Sirenscape, because epic games require epic music and spoopy Halloween specials require the same. <laughs> so if you have any questions for our architect of Erte herself, please ask your question with question in all caps in chat. Here, I'll demonstrate. Okay, well, not with like the all caps, but I'm going to start off with the questions and the Halloween specials because last week, oh, we had such a delightfully quippy <laughs> dreamscape. There are so many different things you could have, you can do that fit the prompt yes. Halloween special. Yes. And you opted for what I can only describe as mansion murder mystery meets monster mayhem. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I uh, I just love old monster movies, <laughs> and I for the longest time have had the idea of wanting to turn those monsters into playable monster characters in a way. And this just seemed like a perfect opportunity to do it because I knew I'd have the right players to jump on board with that idea. Um, and it just seemed fun to like meet them and fight them and maybe befriend them and all kinds of stuff. So uh, yeah, I was really excited about making that adventure. I I, I was short on time. So <laughs> I banged the whole thing out in like the day of uh, building. I mean, I have so many monsters they didn't even meet. Um, but I'm really hoping we'll do it again or I can use the concept again because this ended up being kind of a really good play test actually. Um, I, I, I was a little personally disappointed that I didn't get the balance super great <laughs> but again like that happens right especially when you're doing things in the last minute sometimes things don't work out in the balance I still think the sort of concept of meeting these monsters is really fun and so you can sort of lean into that experience of it but I learned a lot of valuable things and I think we may see this adventure again with some adjustments 
So uh, with respect to (laughs) Maverick Q's question of uh, whether we'll have a Halloween special every year, I'm I'm starting to maybe get... I'm starting to maybe yes. get the impression that um, we could say. Hi, Maverick, yes. too. We have gaming experience together, so very good to to hear from you. Um, so yes, I would I would absolutely love to do that. I would love to do a recurring Halloweeny special thing. Um, there are so many monsters from, especially that like Universal, you know, time period. Um, as well as we could go into a lot of the you know giant bug movies, which are so fun. So there's a lot of mid-century uh, horror that we can draw from uh, in terms of inspiration. So I'm, I'm hoping we can continue to do that. Ooh, all right. So we have bug movies. You have to know, I am a cultural void. I used to call myself a black hole, but those have oh. substance. So ah. like what kind of monster movies oh, drew your inspiration? Praying Mantis movie, Attack of the Praying Mantis, which is incredible. The classic Them, which are giant ants. Um, uh, anyone who loves those old movies would know the woo, 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 woo the noise that the ants make when they're getting close so good and they're in the they're in the sewers under los angeles it's such a fun movie um wait i thought that was a documentary (laughs) i mean maybe (laughs) um but yeah i mean there was a whole period kind of in the mid-century when you know nuclear war and all those things were very this idea of like the experimentation with that was making bugs get really big uh and then of course they would wreak havoc on civilization so you know you know the fly the, the praying flying praying praying mantis you know flies over the city and the queen ant and also it's all very cool giant spider invasion so an arthropod aficionado is our architect of Erte. i guess so i don't know <laughs> but uh but yeah so you know between those and then the the monsters from before um i don't know there's just a lot of really cool classic tropes that you can pull on and make your own um you know so none of these monsters are meant to be exactly those creatures but it's supposed to give you the the fun of that i think i think i tend to lean into that a lot with dnd it's a lot of like my favorite adventure stories that i grew up with that i love and as an actor i'm always like ooh what would it have been like be in that movie or or encounter that creature or that monster and um yeah dnd like gives me the opportunity to do that and, like what if i was indiana jones you know <laughs> is always a really fun uh experiment so I, I get inspired a lot by that kind of stuff so you mentioned a bunch of things that our players didn't quite get to in part because the role play was very entertaining yeah. and fun and we just love to watch them and i know we're saying there's going to be maybe some recurring mm-hmm. stuff and i know mm-hmm. dms reduce reuse recycle but this is a holiday special any chance we can get a little taste of some of the what might have been in the back pocket so sure um <laughs> Uh, you know, we we just met a creature that lived within a black lagoon, uh, which I was very excited. We'll have more uh, going on with that. Um, you know, we perhaps may meet a mad doctor that is assembling corpse parts at some point. I don't know. Maybe that's in there. Hmm. Um, you know, things like that. Uh, and and maybe even perhaps a, a, a castle dwelling thanger of some kind. We'll see. Ah, all extremely legally distinct monsters. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, but seriously, off the drop, we got the most delightful, just quippy back and forth. Every yes. single player understood the assignment so marvelously. Yes. What prompt yes. did you give them that they were able to deliver that? So I said, you know, I said, the only thing I told them is we're going, you know, early to mid-century horror. So go ahead and lean in. And as always, my thing is, you know, vintage style, not vintage values. So this is very much like lean into the aesthetic of this and whatever that kind of trope and world means to you um, that is exciting and inspiring for you. Um, 
And so, yeah, I mean, they just ran with that. I said, you know, you are your characters from Children of Verte, but you can, you know, you can lean into some of these characters. And I even, you know, I said, like, I, I always see um, Maeve as kind of a Lauren Bacall kind of, you know, feel Ooh. to her. And so, you know, if there were favorite actors or, again, tropes from that time period that they wanted to lean into, um, they could. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of great. I mean, they immediately got it and uh, ran with it and... You know, I tried to really throughout the adventure give hints that this was like kind of a black and white sepia toned world and and some of the the camera tricks. It's as if they were dreaming on a universal back lot kind of thing. And and that, you know, even <laughs> in that big lagoon space, they could see that there were the edges of the sound stage. You know, so I, I like that idea that it they would actually feel like they were in a movie. Um, you know, I just wanted to kind of bring that with us, that that sense a little bit. I love that. Did any of the players' choices surprise you or particularly stand out to that end? Because I'll admit that was a very yeah. different uh, Carolyn Stern. Yes, it was. Oh, she totally got me. I, you know, but again, I'm so glad, right? Like a dream is a perfect space to experiment a little bit with your character and what you're capable of and and perhaps sides of their own characters that they're a little bit uh, afraid of or wouldn't want to show because of insecurities and things like hmm. that. So I was, I was happy to see them lean in into that as well. Um, and then of course I always, I always forget, I don't know why I forget this. I always forget that Robin has the invisibility. Uh, so I, the, the fact that she immediately cast that on the invisible man, I was like, no, it's not naked. That's how that works, right? Like he has to take his clothes off. Like that's how you see him. So he's just a naked dude walking around. I don't know. I really, I don't know. It That immediately, that was the moment that for me was like, this has set the tone for this, can, you know, this episode. And, and uh, so this of, is what tonight is. Yeah, the, like the, the, the forgive me kind of unveiling or the, looking behind the scenes <laughs> of these kinds of movies and you know and that that is you know we don't think about it because he's invisible but that's that's what he is he's walking around naked in order to to be invisible and uh <laughs> it would be so cold it would be so cold right you'd be so cold i mean where was and the very vulnerable that can't yeah, have been a warm arm? place yeah it was not in florida no, no, absolutely. Ooh. So you're walking around outside in bare feet. Like it's a it's a rough, rough way to be. Uh I I yeah, I think you know, again, all these things come with um, you know, it'd be very cool to be in the invisible man, but it'll also be very, very difficult. Uh and so yeah, so that I don't know, that was just fun. It set the tone. Uh I, I knew as soon as that happened, I was like, we're gonna, we're gonna unmask a lot of these, you know, tropes down the line here and pull out these little, these little uh hints. Um, they sure so, yeah. were uh, unmasked. They were unmasked <laughs> in many ways. <laughs> I was so hoping. Oh, I wanted that um, uh, werewolf bite to get Feruza so badly because, again, I, I warned them ahead of time. I was like, "This is a dream. Don't be afraid to die. Like you'll be fine. Like the the children of Verte will continue. You can die in this dream." Because she would have been a werewolf. She would have been on my side, right? <laughs> so I wanted her to fail those constitution saving throws so badly. They were high too. And she beat all of them. So I was like, you shouldn't have bit the buff me? one. I should have what? You shouldn't have bit the buff one. The constitution the is too high. She was the one who was right there, right? And he's like a wild, you know, rabid creature. He's not like using logic. Oh, I should go after the, you know, the less lesser constitution like he's just going after the blood right and the scores aren't floating over their head no! for the world yeah. to see shopping and i thought his thing was high enough that i'd get her i'd get her and then she'd be on my side and then it would be so much harder for the other bad guys to lose because i'd have a team so yeah the you know the general concept of this and potentially it will continue and i hope everyone forgets this by next year is that slowly i win them over to my side and we're all bad guys and i win for once so i i mean one i would watch two chat you heard it here first everyone's just going to slowly peel them away i'm just going to peel them away so they can just be they can be bad guys on my on my team um but yeah i thought that would be really fun uh, and i think also for them too like for feruza to play a half feruza half werewolf like bad guy also for alicia to be able to do that i think it'd be really a fun challenge.
Think of all the lightning static in your fur, though. Like that's got. Oh, that's no, I think she's Ooh, awesome. She looks so but good. She looks like one of those Tesla balls. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Vanguard generator. Yeah, yeah, sure yeah. Vibe. So cool. Yeah. Uh, oh, we have a fun question uh, coming in uh, from from uh, Callie Robin. Uh, whether the film The Incredible Shrinking Man lends itself to a good episode. Any inspiration? <laughs> Absolutely. Attack the fifty foot woman. Uh, this is a great, yeah, we have to do all of the, the, the giants and the, and the, the shrinking. Um, that's all really good. Oh, oh, we have the whole enlarged reduce mechanics in Dungeons and yeah. Dragons. So what monster movies yeah. do we pair with the well, monster I'll, manual I'll take, mechanics? Yeah, I will take, uh, I will take suggestions if people want to leave them there. We'll compile them and I'll just keep making monsters because uh, it's yeah, I the idea of having like a, a monster manual, <laughs> but of of sort of tropes and monsters that we're familiar with from those, you know, those old movies that I love, um, but just be really fun to be able to draw from those, uh, you know, whenever you you wanted something cool that reminded you of that. You know, I, we've talked about this before, I think, on here that I, I think there's some value sometimes to pulling things that seem familiar because your players will instantly recognize that and know exactly where they are, what the tone is. Um, but then you change just enough to make it unique in yours and, and surprise them with a few things. Uh, and that's kind of the, I think the perfect balance. Um, so yeah, that's that's always a tip I I offer sometimes is use use trope and familiarity to your advantage. Maverick also points out that Faruz would make a fantastic fifty foot woman. She's I mean she's quarter of the way there already. My goodness, fifth of the way there already. Um, yeah, fifty foot woman. Oh, I could totally. Oh yeah, maybe she is the fifty foot woman. I'll target her when I when they get to that room. Now we just need to know it's not a con save next time. It's not a con save. Well, we'll see. It depends. That could probably be like a charisma save or something like that. I read that once. That, like charisma saves are more about like your identity. Like who am I? Mm. Like you make charisma saves against like like teleportation, like forced teleportation. So it's about like Bane yeah, does it. So it's about I think. you knowing who you are mm. in this moment, physically present. And it's always so interesting um because you do wisdom saves for pretty much everything else so i wonder if that like changing your body construct or that your 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 cells like that if that would be a charisma save maybe i'll have to do some research well, i mean look i love putting some respect on the rare saves the in right? save the charisma save even yeah. a strength save now and again you know? yeah D structures all these classes so you have each one gets a common save and a rare mm -hmm. save. We, we're we not targeting the players. We're just giving them an advantage, an opportunity to use all of their saving throw proficiencies. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. For <laughs> sure. Uh, but it was a dream as communicated to the players. Yes. And, and from a Doyleist perspective. But... In the world of Erte, they did all share that dream from like they a did. Watsonian perspective. Do you have any idea as to why they might have shared that particular dream in world? Like is Ivy's sort of 20s vibe giving them a vintage air? What? Why do so, you think they would have all had that dream? Yes. Yes, there are reasons. Um uh, yes, yes, some of the style is inspired by the fact that that's kind of the era that they would recognize her from and it's in there. Um, it's also because I like that era aesthetically is also why Ivy oh, yeah. kind of aesthetically yeah. appears in that era. Um, but also there, there is an overarching presence. We had a dream adventure for SDCC. If you want to yeah. go and find that one shot that we did, uh, this is a, 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 a one shot dream adventure as well. I have a thing that I am working on that is involving this kind of magic and 
that kind of manipulation of one's mind. Uh, and so some of this is me kind of playing in that arena a little bit and trying to sort of see how people respond. And, um, you know, especially even something with the Halloween special, this idea that I sort of sparsely describe the room. And then when they ask about, is there a book? And I'm like, suddenly, oh my goodness, there's a book on the wall. So there's a little bit of a sense that you can help create the world while you're there, as long as you have an idea that is exciting and interesting. Um, so I, I like that and 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 allowing players to have a little bit of a an input, a collaboration on what's available to them. Um, so rather than being just stuck, you know, because I've sometimes I've had players be like, well, is there a tree next to me that I can climb? Is it within five feet? And I'm like, do you want there to be? Sure. You know, like at a certain point, it's fun when it comes from the player where they say, I have this idea of this thing I want to do. And if if it doesn't completely unbalance or take away from from what I'm creating, great. Oh, yeah, sure. It's a bookshelf. Why not? You know, great. Now I can use it for something for me that you don't know about, you know? Um, oh, no. What's yeah. behind the bookshelf? Right. What's behind the bookshelf? What else is on it? You know, like, can I, you know, so it's, it's now I can hide something there that you, but you thought you made it. So you thought you knew everything about it. So it's just, it's a fun, it's a fun way to kind of collaboratively add to the space together um, where I don't have to feel quite as, um, like I'm hiding things from them because they 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 helped make that, and if they're interested, they can learn more about it. Um, I don't know. It's, right. it's we imagine the bed, and then we lie in it as we are pelted. Yeah, um, by books. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us for Children of Verte. I'm going to go check all of my notes about the dream episodes now. So thank <laughs> you for adding to my red string cork board. You're welcome. Yeah, again, don't hold me too too firmly. My I, I have a whole book of notes, but uh definitely as I go forward, I'm like when I get a really good idea, I'm like, oh, let me go through and see if that contradicts anything. But it's a lot to look through. So hopefully, uh hopefully I'm doing okay so far. The cork board approves, I assure you. <laughs> but I don't want to linger exclusively on the yes. most recent episode, even though it was extremely delightful and I loved everything about it, but it's been a while. Since we last spoke, uh, we yes. mentioned before the show that the last time you were on the Airtay, the team hadn't yet pieced the mirror back together, no, which we is were still a in major the veil. So, how does it feel to get the party uh, to that point? And is this how you planned for them to get here? Um, again, you know, I mean, a, a long-running campaign like this—that is—that is, that is homebrewed, for lack of a better word, really. Um, I had vague ideas about where I thought this was going, but again, you let the players guide so much. So no, I didn't, I didn't like specifically imagine it happening in this environment or how it went down, you know, but by the time they had it and what they had found and some of the things I had sort of spontaneously added, there's a lot of me just going like having an idea live on the stream and going, well, that's cool. I've got to throw that in. Um, and then just hope I can justify it later or whatever it is. Um, because this is a game of improvisation and collaboration. And I want to be inspired by the players as much as they're inspired by me. So it it is in that ultimately I wanted them to go find all the pieces and put it all together and release both of these rulers and have a battle. Um, and I think like that was a really good example because that battle with Talaron uh was also easier for them than i think they thought it was going to be i'm less concerned about that 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 i had foreseen to some extent um one it has to do with them being prepared two it has to do like being able to to make a plan you know plan. be prepared and control the circumstances two every other time they encountered him they were itty bitty little squishy guys so like now they're much more powerful um, and it really was all of them against against the one. And uh, and I like the idea that they thought he was a big bad. And suddenly. I'm getting this menacing there's always a bigger bad vibe from well, you right now. It's just really fun when your players are like, oh, no. Was that a little too easy? You know, like now they start to wonder who's really 
the problem uh if who they thought was gonna be like the ultimate baddie it was actually someone they dispatched of not not too shabbily so yeah that was kind of fun for me to slowly watch like it was going well and they still had dread <laughs> which is sort of great i'm like you're beating him and they're like but 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 why <laughs> it's like great. difficult combat dread easy yes. combat dread still dread. pleased that we have instilled dread we just want some dread that's all so i was very pleased that i had some dread going on um and then yeah and then we had you know and then and then i was shocked we got to tyver and i had a whole thing planned and they just jumped they just jumped right through they were like forget the globes, forget the, you know, the, forget the, the balls on the spiral going down, forget the mist. They just started to dive. So I was like, Whoa, okay. Flip, 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 flip. You know, <laughs> we're moving forward. We're moving forward. We're not short resting. <laughs> Nothing. They just went and I had to move ahead with something that almost killed them all. Um, so that is what's really interesting to me is they had a pretty easy time with tall run. And then they were maybe kind of riding high off of that thinking that they were so tough uh and jumped right into something that was a little a little outside um and that was amazing we had kind of almost two full episodes of combat and i'm yeah. always sort of curious so you know you know i people have different feelings about that especially on a show that you're watching about how you know do you need more variety should combat be shorter and all this is like i don't know if i know the answer to that necessarily but again it was an interesting experiment to let this be a long, hard combat and people having to constantly save each other. And, and, and is there drama inherent in that? And then inherent in the exhaustion when you're finally out of it. And yeah, I don't know. I, I, again, as an experiment, I'm sort of curious how that felt to the players, how that felt to the audience, how it felt for myself and learning that, that lesson of, of, you know, how that plays into a story. I'm also starting to realize that some of the oh god oh god they these these characters might die combats have been in aquatically themed scenarios because I think the other really deadly one was underwater. I let them breathe this time. I thought that was very nice of me. So gracious of you. Wasn't it? I let them breathe. Well, except then. The I mean, they, tanks. they were combating didn't let them breathe. <laughs> That's right. That's true. I, I did take <laughs> that away slightly. Um, yeah, I felt like that was very nice. I mean, I, yeah, I think water is, um, again, we, you know, we've had this conversation before where, you know, there are, of course, so many fantastically terrifying monsters. We're talking about, you know, monsters from our, you know, our own lit cultural, literal, uh, literary history. Um, In Black Lagoon. Yes, all, all of that. Yeah, and water. But a lot of times the most terrifying things are things that could just kill a normal person, right? It's like, for me, I, I really enjoy introducing what feels like not everyday fears, but, but just human common fears, right? Uh, the, like the avalanche and, and being underwater and, you know, those kinds of things that are, are not supernatural. They're very natural, but my God, an avalanche is one of the most terrifying and deadly things that can happen. And, and to me, that's like, well, let's explore that a little bit. And, and what would you do if you were in that situation? You know, so much of that's, you know, an actor, you know, the the Stanislavski thing is that magic if, if I were this person or if I were in this situation, what would I do? And D&D &D really scratches that itch for me. And I like to pose that to players, you know, if you were, <laughs> you know, in an avalanche or underwater and there was a giant creature coming by or you were running out of air, what would you do? Think fast, you know, you got six seconds. Yeah. The, the snow is falling, yeah. but you had your players on actual literal rails. Yes. And you pushed them off the rails to protect an avalanche. So <laughs> are the surprises from the players, those smaller beat to beat, I didn't expect them to dive? Do you feel like you had big picture structural control or do you think all of those little uh moments of player decisions uh i'm really trying to find a word that isn't snowballed sure 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 <laughs> <laughs> why not that's appropriate 
Um, I mean, I had the large structure of I knew this area that, you know, in general, the map of where they were. I knew generally the environments in which I wanted them to play to find each of these mirror shards. Um, similar to these worlds, I'm going to have a basic map. I'm going to have a basic idea of what the the um, location and environment is and the types of encounters that might happen there. Um, and I and I have an overarching, I suppose, villain type. Why, why is this exist? Why are they here? What is all of this that I I'm trying to pay more pray out pretty slowly. Um, so it's yeah, not tolerant. It, yeah, <laughs> it's not tolerant. Um, so yeah, so there's that overarching structure. But you know, there are things like, and I I say this a lot, and you know, even with published adventures, right? If your if your players are supposed to find a hint for a puzzle down the right corridor, and they go left, like I don't know, put the hint of the puzzle at the left corridor, you know, like at a certain it's point. It's over there now. Yeah, it's over there yeah. now. You have that kind of freedom, and and if a if a player solves a puzzle or defeats a monster in a more interesting way or a more unique way um, or in a way that they're proud of, choose that one, right? Like, again, anything that you you sacrifice for player cool, you can bring back again, right? Like, that's free work now. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of times I, I might just really like something that a player does, or I might need them to find something, whatever it is, and you just adjust and and you you take a room that was over here and you move it over here because why not? Um, or things are going too, too easy and I planned for two monsters, but now there's five uh, because- <laughs> More of them just rose uh, out of yeah. the- um, you know, and and again, because the ultimate goal of these games are to have a really good time, to tell a really great story, and and have your players feel like they are both heroic and in danger. Um, <laughs> because they feel more heroic the more danger they're in, in a way. Um, That's the only reason we're instilling dread, yes. gentle audience. It's not because we take a schadenfreude sort of glee I, well, no, from I it. Do, I do. <laughs> okay, I tried. I tried, Jack. Don't lie. Maybe a little glee. Don't lie to the children. <laughs> Fair enough, but <laughs> let's 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 be on our players' side for a moment. Yeah. You talked about letting the cool player answer mm -hmm. become the answer, mm -hmm. and we have like some really creative players yes, here. Are there any fun solves that come to mind that have particularly delighted you? That you're like, pardon me, I'm going to crumple my previous answer because I like what I'm saying. <laughs> um, let me see if I can think of one specifically. Um. I mean, even even most recently with the with the ice skating, uh, you know, hit the things. So that was yeah. supposed to be, you know, I think most of us who play computer games kind of know that puzzle where like you're sliding and you have to hit the right stalag, you know, stalagmites in order to get out the thing. Um, and that would have been fine. And it was essentially the idea of being like kind of like hit them in the right order and fast enough to open the door and get out. But I really liked Jen's idea of like, let's all, let's use all of us and get out there and kind of activate them all at once. And, and you know, then we can all get out together because there was an element of, you know, playing together on that and, and, and a collaboration and a working together um, that was different than just each player individually kind of going through and making the thing work. Um, so that was a better, that was a better solution to my puzzle than I had come up with. And, and she they thought about Max, it, which is so much better. Yeah. Like solutions that include summoned wolf superior solutions. Always a superior. And, you know, anytime you see, like, I saw her, like, sketch it out and you went, oh, oh, oh. And as soon as you see a player do that, it's just your cue is, I th I think, and people may disagree with me, but I think is a good dungeon master to go, yes, you know, yes, and. And it's still going to be hard. I'm still going to make you do checks for it. And you're still going to have to explain it and, and figure out exactly how it's going to work. But ultimately, her answer was better than my answer. And her, her solution was better than my solution. It was more 
engaging and exciting for her, <laughs> which is who I'm making this adventure for. Uh, so ultimately that I think is the, is the right call. Um, yeah. Talked before about how sometimes you will put problems in front of the players without any particular mm -hmm. solution in mind. And so in that vein, a gen generated solution <laughs> fits the criteria. There's a solve Perfectly. available, an answer yes. exists. Yes. And they may or may not use it. They may opt uh, to summon a, a, a good boy. Someone a good boy. One also that an interesting thing about that. So this is coming off of the episode where we didn't have Adam, and we mm -hmm. we knew that a little bit late. So I was like, okay, I should come up with some kind of something to bridge. So I actually came up with that puzzle uh, to use for the previous episode, and it was supposed to be for like just two of them <laughs> because they were doing a watch. So it's going to be two people, which is much more suited to that like time do the timing thing and slide out. And then when they didn't get to it and we had the globy conversation instead, which was spectacular. Again, talk about like your players running with something and you just being like, yes, yes, and, and please go continue. Um, once Adam came back and I was like, okay, this is now six people and he flies. <laughs> like, this needs to be a different puzzle. <laughs> so again, you're adjusting. Um, so I think flexibility as a dungeon master and and as an architect of story, especially one like this, is is just you just have to be willing to go with that, because uh, yeah, it changes things once you start to go. Oh right, Robin can see invisible things and Silas can fly and <laughs> you know. Oh right, Neb can talk to animals. <laughs> like yeah, or is it can be arbitrary, super tall? Any, be, yeah. any puzzles involving high shelves? Useless dab, I'm gonna tell you right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's no, I can't hide anything high up. Uh, uh -huh. <laughs> but let's not skate over, unlike yes. uh, Farusa, the Globies. Globies. Because while Tyra's ostensibly inhabited by Ivy's su subjects, they are much more importantly, although perhaps identically, we don't know, future <laughs> problem, inhabited by our beautiful, musical, Yay. mimicking, glowy babies. So what inspired them? Okay, so... <laughs> what inspired them? Well, the cell, <laughs> for one. Mm. So they're selling. I love that answer. Essentially. I love it. I love it. Um, and I liked the idea of like, how would something, you know, we're also, we're also kind of at the bottom of the ocean. And I think about those like, again, kind of jellyfish or sort of clear bioluminescent creatures that live there and how really alien the the depths of earth are, right? Um and so I, I thought about that and I was like, well, how would they would communicate? Well, they could possibly control some glowing and then they could vibrate and their membrane could feel vibrations. So I was like, oh, maybe they would communicate with like vibrations. And, they, and so that these are not, again, these are not like overly intelligent, like, uh, you know, logical kind of thinkers again so I, that's why i was like this isn't a language i don't think comprehend languages or, or speak with mm -hmm. small beasts works in that way or well more more that speak with small beasts works more that that this isn't a language as much as it is just a, a form of communication and some exchange way. of vibes yeah exchange of vibes yeah. exactly oh oh right because <laughs> <laughs> precisely as exchange of frequencies yeah um, so yeah, so it came with it came to that, um, you know, and, and and that just kind of put me on again, like my general like middle school science class, you know, inspiration that sort of kept coming back and all those really fun experiments that you do when you're at that age and school is still making stuff really fun. <laughs> um, so yeah, it kind of it kind of came off of that and I just ran with it and I was like, you know, what would like 11-year-old Deb have been really excited about learning about this week and and how can I translate that a little bit into into this? And I I wrote this like very simple again, not language, but you know, you know, for them so that I could have a little consistency and let them figure that out. Uh and I I don't know, I really enjoyed the Globies. That was a really fun episode. I think because there was no pressure to advance in that way and i came up with it pretty quickly and it was just like 
all right, Deb, just like talk about stuff that you enjoy for two hours in the form of story and character. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of stuff that came up in that episode that I hadn't specifically set out as like, this is like even the ground being that, um, you know, that material where if you stab at it really hard, it's hard. But if you just gently, you know, like that stuff, I didn't, that wasn't like in my mind before we started. But when we started to talk about what it was, it was like, oh, 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 you know what it's like? You know? It's like, that's all. Or maybe bones. Thank you. Like bones. Yeah. You know, so you like, it's, it's just, it's fun to like, let those inspirations happen and then just drop them out there, you know? Uh, so yeah, I just let, I just let like 10, 11 year old Deb have a field day that episode. <laughs> Okay, you know what? It's it's tempted me into it, so I'm going to pounce on that motif okay. because it was a bunch of science themed moments yeah. and references to the science museum and just various things that made middle school science Deborah very happy, which yes. in turn makes middle school science Sam very happy. So I gotta ask: Are there like any particular school science experiments or lessons that really stick with you that like? when these things resonate there's yeah. a there are any core memories for so, science deb ooh. um trying to think because we had the new jersey science center that that was like the science center i went to as a kid and then of course there was a planetarium in new york so mm -hmm. i have planetarium stuff planned that that there's a little teaser for you there's planetarium, planetarium stuff in our future for sure you heard it um, here first on the AirTag exclusive. <laughs> exclusive. You won't know when it's happening, but it's it's been brewing for a long time, and I'll I'll at some you know, it'll it, we'll get there. Um, so I'm trying to think about the science center. If there's anything like that, like specifically, I remember there. I do always remember like the the tornado tubes. Those are really cool, uh, yep. and and using different objects and things to disrupt that flow and change it. Um, and they had things where like you could introduce heat and see how that changed flow of air or cold or other gusts of air or objects, you know, and like see how like something light like a feather would be affected versus something heavy like a piece of lead, you know, and it was just very cool. Um, little, good. Yeah, really, really interesting. Good science museum. museum. Good science museum. Um, and then, 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 you know, of course, there's always those amazing experiments where, like, they take two household items or two household liquids and pour them together. And then, like, suddenly it, like, glows and turns color and, like, foams up. Um, and, you know, I don't know if I can remember specifically what those elements were or anything like that. But um, it's don't mix household elements. Thank just don't you. mix household elements. <laughs> Anything under your sink, just, just stay isolated. Yeah. Uh, unless you are a middle school science teacher, in which case, exactly. go for it. Make things go boom. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it was always so magical, you know, and, and again, that falls right into it, that really the, the theme of this whole adventure is that the world is magical, right? We don't need monsters and and like the magic of a of a supernatural world necessarily to know that we are magic. We live, we love, we feel this, this is magic. And, and I like the idea that these characters, that children of Erte are considered magic in this, in this world and, uh, and that it is magical to be human, to be a child of Erte to them. And, and I don't know, I, I hope that we all, I struggle to embrace <laughs> that. So I think this is partially me Right, you know, writing this and, and ruminating on this theme to help me myself also embrace that a little bit. Um, that create creativity is magic and compassion is magic. Um, the connections that we form with people that are important in our lives, that's magic. The way that even when they're gone, we keep them alive in our hearts is magic. Um, so I don't know. I, yeah, these are all deeper, bigger thoughts that don't necessarily have to play on the everyday game level, but it's, those are the big things that I'm excited about and, you know, kind of continue to think about as I create this theming going forward. Chat, comments. <laughs> Tell us how magical you, she is. Are you, you all, you are all magic. Every single one. You, you are all magic, but apparently Deborah needs to know. So, you know, we have to be all reminded Tell Deborah. Well, even like, you know, I think, you know, Adam and Josh and, you know, we're coming up with 
quotes and things like that to pull from the fairy tale fairy book world and you know the hans christian anderson of you know you you are uh, life itself is a wonderful fairy tale is the most wonderful fairy tale is right in line with that and i love this new one um being you are what you believe yourself to be right that's magic we we can be brave we can be smart we can be all of these things if we just believe enough that we are um and and that's also because there are in numerous ways to define what that is and so we can make that what we wish it to be um so yeah and D and D has always been such a wonderful way to do that it's a way to practice being all of those things that that we have trouble believing in ourselves you know <laughs> um you know we can practice being brave in in impossible mm. situations and uh practice avalanche procedure i suppose <laughs> oh and, and proper scuba <laughs> proper scuba procedure proper safety stops yes i will always eternally be obsessed with the commitment to accuracy and and oh, and safety stops no and, not getting the bend so thank you and and uh and uh uh pr proper handling in in mines and climbing yeah. very important yes Training. I've learned so many things about cyanide. Oh, cyanide? I should talk to you about cyanide after the stream. Oh, no. <laughs> my my brief Wikipedia research. Oh. Hey, it's a great opportunity uh, to uh, take middle school science Deb mm -hmm. out and about and explore some curiosity. Exactly. Uh, but always ideally uh with the goal of instilling a little bit of dread which is why uh, maverick asks whether yes. we can uh expect some more horror uh yeah. as as part of our genre soup <laughs> our soup of genre um it's pretty super i mean yeah i i always like a little horror and dread i think i'm i am a a you know classic high adventure kind of dm that stuff is always gonna be very exciting to me um you know again i i will always skew adventure horror probably more than fantasy in in some realms just because that's my personal preference and and what excites me um so again you know less dragons and uh you know uh 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 you know, I don't know what do they call it, like like bat epic battles between you know rivals kind of things, uh, and and more. Like I I really like keeping players kind of alone, and you know <laughs> having that sense of like they have to kind of figure stuff out. Um, so yeah, I absolutely eerie for sure, a little goofy almost always, um, sciency and like learning stuff at the same time nancy drew investigatory um horror absolutely and then yeah like like high adventure um problem solving kind of stuff yeah i suppose the eerie and the suspense are a little more personal and small scale than the big it is maybe character personal maybe and, and look as I, I i'll say this right here i'm i'm nervous about where this goes from here because i don't have very much experience running games for high level characters which mm. might have been part of my problem with the halloween special <laughs> um uh so i you know i'm gonna have to i'll be doing a lot of like a lot of my research and time is going to be just like researching other great dms and watching them and figuring out like well how do they run you know battles and stories for higher level adventures because i want it to continue to be very very scary and and very um dreadful um but i may not i don't have a lot of experience in how to do that necessarily so especially with monsters that i'm homebrewing creating on my own so I have some some research and and learning to do there, and sometimes it's going to work, and sometimes it won't. But that's okay; it's just story. Uh, and I'm excited to kind of yeah see what that is. I'm I'm nervous though. I'll see. You know, I'm definitely going to have to do some research because they are strong. They are really really strong. Um, yeah. So I'm just going to have to hit them hit them harder and and uh, and surprise them more often and. Uh, you know sort of figure out how this world can be even more deadly 
Even more dread. Even more dread. So please uh, get into the comments what uh, GMs and high-level adventuring yes, you uh, have should definitely research. Let us know. The big thing uh, I, 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 I already know, but I keep forgetting to do because I like one-off bad guys, is they need minions. No one-off mm -hmm. bad guy does well against a party, so they just mm -hmm. have to have they have to have minions. Um, They're leaders; they gotta delegate. They gotta delegate. So that's I've I'm I have previously learned that lesson, but I have not yet really, really jumped on it because I'm I'm so attracted to like the, the one really scary. Yeah, know, the villain. So uh, so yeah, so that's something I will try to I'm gonna try to experiment with and and do better on going forward, making sure that all of my my main bads have a good cadre. All right. Them. Well, sorry, players. I didn't mean to. <laughs> yes, everyone in the comments, please go give me tips on how to better <laughs> kill the party. I would really appreciate it. <laughs> don't tell Ooh. them. Don't, if they're in the chat, me. don't listen. You, know. <laughs> you, you can't hear anything. You can't hear anything. But based on the capabilities of some of our heroes and a couple dropped hints here and there, they they aren't quite as high level as I might have expected now that they're bouncing around sort of planes. Yes, <laughs> sort of, yes. I Often in a Dungeons and Dragons story, they'll they'll be pretty pretty chunky by the time they go planes hopping. But are they maybe a little under leveled for that? A little under prepared? Is it just because you enjoy telling stories at this power level, or does it bespeak the length of runway we have? Sort Ooh. of where one might infer them to be. There was a maybe Ooh. a little slip about their level a couple episodes ago. If you want to oh. go digging, chat. Yeah, go go dig. Uh uh oh am i am i i don't know if i'm that uh if i'm that um intentional about it honestly i'm just telling stories i like uh you know again you know there is there is classic D D, which you know has its own rules and sets of sort of ideas of how you level up and when things happen i guess um you know they are not currently plane jumping they are being invited <laughs> into right planes. they don't usually you need the spell that unlocks that you yes. get to it at a certain sort of level but we have mirror hacks yes we have mirrors and we have rulers right so like ivy opened that portal oh right, yeah to this to yeah, this world. The players the players aren't going anywhere mm -mm. without <laughs> ivy at this point they're stuck in timer <laughs> until <laughs> she decides they can go um uh, or or something else happens but uh you know, I think I didn't even really think about it. Maybe because I, I I haven't run very many high level adventures, but like I don't. This isn't necessarily plane jumping in the same context as it would be in a more you know traditional D and D setting. Maybe um, this is the reality of this world. I mean, you might as well say. I mean, they plane jumped from the very first episode. This is a different world, or well, or the first couple episodes. As soon as they, <laughs> as soon as they entered that room. <laughs> earlier than i thought they would um <laughs> so yeah so it's a common theme of the unexpected yes rushing in uh so yeah i i i think they're i think they're capable i think That's i also good. i'm also going to you know i'm gonna level up my game a little bit by doing some of my own research about how to keep them on their toes and uh and yeah, you know, these are these are just worlds, you know, they're they're just visiting these other spaces. And, you know, right now, Tiver is kind of a dormant world because of what's happened. And and so I'm my other tease for this particular on the air uh, to share is that, you know, we're if they happen to wake Tiver up a little bit, we might see something else so you know we'll see where they're headed with all of that uh but you know they're 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 seeing it in a very specific state right now that's true and we did have a question uh from cassius about whether you're interested in keeping the players in tiber for a while you know letting them experience it in this dormant state mm -hmm. maybe if they play their cards right in the awakened state uh do you think they're going to be burning through these realms fast or do you think there's a lot to keep them there I don't think they're not going to be in Tiver as long as they were in the Vale, let's say. 
you know, that, that was really specifically like the first section of this adventure was about that. Um, you know, they, they, I'm definitely doing leveling on a milestone system. So as they achieve certain things, they get to level up. I've just always preferred doing it that way. Um, and, you know, they, they, you know, they, they won't be in Tiber for a year of, of our time. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, you know, right now we've been there for about a month and maybe a little less. Uh, and, uh, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I don't know. I don't want to give that away too much because also I don't know. You know, I I would have said we would move through the veil faster than we did, but they were having a blast going through it at their speed, and it allowed me to add a lot of interesting new stuff and cut and move some other things around. So yeah, I, I don't know. I'm trying to kind of leave it up to the players. I don't I don't know if they should be moving faster. If I should be leveling them faster, I don't know. Uh, feels good to we're me. all having a good time so i think you're doing everything you should be doing i mean games people play these games for like 20 years without stopping i mean that's not a spoiler you know i anticipate we'll be playing children of Merite for 20 years but we could uh we heard it here. Know. <laughs> but yeah i mean if we if we spent the first you know almost you know we spent the first year plus in uh in the veil we could spend the next year plus going through these other worlds there, you know, these other rulers worlds. Um, so yeah, I'll be curious. I'll be curious. I'm curious to find out. We'll see how long they stay. I guess y'all are just going to have to stick around and watch and find out. And we're getting close to the wrap up. So I'll just ask you my final question okay. because uh, this whole thing started in between our last interviews, but okay. a recent combat saw the catapulting of one doll in Robin's Grand Doll Army. So my <laughs> final question to you tonight is, if you had a doll army, what would you do yes. with them and what kind of dolls would oh, fill their ranks? Okay, so the paper doll, dolls might be my favorite from that whole thing. <laughs> I just think they're so terrifying and so wonderful. And I love that they like, like I got a hit on a barbarian with my paper dolls. You know? Yeah, you did. Like I was like, yeah, my icon who survived a werewolf fight. Uh, There's a paper doll who got some got some paper doll cuts. Um, so I don't know. I I I was I was very excited about the doll fight. I love that Robin has them because it means they can come back. Um, I I probably I really like the paper dolls. I think they're they're. Uh, unexpected no one expects a, a paper doll army um what would i use them for i mean they'd be good they'd be great for like scouting um oh, right yeah. uh using them in water might be bad uh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. they pulled up well in water Poor pool noodles yeah yeah uh so that would be a, but but yeah i feel like scouting and then like yeah, if you had if you had minions that you had to fight off, like again, don't don't listen, players. But you could like you could like unleash, you know, a, an army of paper dolls onto one of them, and then unleash the marionettes on another, and then unleash. You know, <laughs> you could just do you know, kind of send them to take care of some of the peripheral things because they're good swarms, right? Essentially, they're swarms, uh, doll swarms. Add it to your monster manual. Swarms of dolls. Put it in the manual. Swarms <laughs> of dolls. Also, don't let it go unnoticed, gentle chat, that Deborah has positioned herself as a big bad with minions <laughs> in a doll army. Yes. So my, my doll army of, of minions, my minion doll army. Uh yeah. I mean, dolls are inherently terrifying and wonderful uh at the same time. So I think they make perfect Dungeons and Dragons uh, monsters. Right, Dungeons and Dragons, definitely. I don't Point. actually have an army of dolls. No, of course not. No army of paper dolls right behind you just off camera. No. But as much as I would love to keep General Deborah <laughs> around indefinitely, Chad, I'm pretty sure she's an actual monster hunter in real life. So for all <laughs> our protection, yeah. I gotta let her get back to that. Thank you so, so much. Thank for joining you. us, Deborah. This Where is always a blast. Thank you. Oh, I guess on the socials. I think it's just my name. That's how involved I I am about my own 
my own stuff. Uh, yes, I believe it's my name, Deborah Ann Wool. Um, should I should be findable. Every so often I post about things that I'm doing or people that I think are awesome, things that they're doing. Um, so yeah, it's mo it's mostly a, a really cool informational spot to find out about cool stuff that you can watch and enjoy. Which means that the most reliable place to find Deborah is right here yes. next week for Children of Verte. Same doll army time, same doll <laughs> army channel. Thanks so much, everyone. And until yes. next time, we're going off the air today. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Children of Arte. To learn more about Demiplane, visit demiplane.com and embark on your own adventure today.